the evening. If there's one thing we all know for sure, it's that not only is DSTV expensive, but healthcare in South Africa is extremely expensive. Uh, the cost of medical consultations, procedures and medication continues to rise annually. Uh, and even if you have medical aid, there's a whole host of jargon and terms and conditions uh, that you need to decode in order to make sure that you are getting the most out of your medical aid scheme. Tonight, for our health feature, we're taking a closer look at PMBs, or Prescribed Minimum Benefits, how they work. Uh, and joining us to answer your questions is Christo Becker, who's the Principal Officer for SelfMed. So, if you have a question relating to your medical aid, and more specifically, uh, to PMBs, then please do get in touch because it's a great opportunity for you to uh, get some uh, clarification on exactly uh, what PMBs are. 021 446 0567 uh, to chat to Christo uh, or of course uh, 31567 on the SMS and 0725671567 uh, on the WhatsApp. Christo, very good evening to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Sarah Jane. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. When we say PMB, what do we actually mean? So the Medical Schemes Act is the act that governs medical schemes in South Africa. And within the Medical Schemes Act is a Regulation 8. Regulation 8 specifically talks about uh, about 270 conditions, which is called prescribed minimum benefits. That medical plan or benefit option you're on the medical aid has to fully cover you if you have one of those conditions or that diagnosis specifically. So included in prescribed minimum benefits, for instance, are heart attacks, strokes, uh, car accidents, uh, certain types of cancers, um, certain uh, broken bones, for instance. So it's all those large debilitating medical conditions that could really set you back financially that is covered under the prescribed minimum benefits. So all medical aid schemes have to provide PMVs. That's according to the Medical Schemes Act. That's correct. Okay. And are there any qualifying criteria or does everyone qualify a standard? Everybody qualifies a standard as long as the diagnosis that the doctor makes is a prescribed minimum benefit. And and this is where it can get a little bit complex because um, let's take, for instance, a pinched nerve in your back. A pinched nerve in your back can be a prescribed minimum benefit, but if it's a centimeter lower, then the diagnosis does not mean it's a PMB. So so it, it can be a gray area, and you need to be very careful around that. But it, it is there to protect the member of a medical aid and to make sure that they, they're not left out of pocket or just transferred to a state hospital as soon as the medical aid, you know, in, in, in inverted brackets, run out of funds or when you've used your benefits. Okay. We've had a question in uh, from Andile in Rondebosch East who says, is there a limit to my PMB? For example, can it run out? No, it can't. Um, I'll, I'll use an example last year where we had a member that that's medical account for their hospitalization ended up being over three million rand. <gasps> sure. Yes. Ish. Okay. All right. So let's just let's let's keep it sort of basic because I, I find myself continually baffled by my medical aid scheme and, and its various its various jargon. Are there any situations where we are definitely not covered for PMBs? Um, sure. I need to I need to use an example. For instance, if you've got children, 
um, and they need a tonsillectomy, that is not a prescribed minimum benefit. Mm. So you need to be careful when you choose a benefit option. You have to speak to somebody that's well-versed and has got experience in it. For instance, um, if you are young, you're single, you've just had a varsity, you started working, um, you might need a certain benefit option that ensures that you're covered for car accidents and things like that. But you need, don't need that much day-to-day. Going to the GP or the dentist is not that that important. Mm. But now later in life, for instance, you, you get married and you have children. You have to reevaluate the benefit option that you're on because it won't be the right benefit option for a family, for instance. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So essentially, when our, our PMBs are as they are, there's nothing that will change those. They are they are a list of of chronic conditions and and diagnoses, uh, which uh, the Medical Schemes Act says that all medical aids have to cover. However, there will be different plans within your medical scheme that will be the most appropriate to you. Yes, correct. So every benefit option has to cover prescribed minimum benefits. So you can, for instance, get an entry-level plan, if I can call it that, Mm. that only covers those prescribed minimum benefits. Got it. So if you have any condition that falls outside of the prescribed minimum benefits, then it won't cover you. And then uh, if you can, you can build on top of the the prescribed minimum benefits. So then you can get a medical um, benefit um, option that offers you a little bit more day-to-day um, so you're going to the GP, you're going to the dentist, you might get an x-ray or two out of hospital, and then you can increase the amount or the benefits that are available to you as you, as you grow older, you need more benefits. Mm, mm. So the interesting thing is that um, if you take your medical aid spend as 100% across your entire life, 80% of that spend will happen after the age of 65. Sure. So that's why it's so important that when people plan for retirement, they actually plan to increase their medical aid cover instead of decreasing it, Hmm. which most people do when they retire, they decrease their medical aid cover. But that's when you're going to need it the most. And I guess also, and I was asking about, is there there any situation where um, you're not covered for PMBs? Uh, Is it right that if you are over 35 um, and you are only now going on to a medical scheme, you are going to pay a penalty for that? Would that affect your PMBs at all or not, but you're just paying the penalty? No, no, it won't affect your PMBs. You're paying the penalty. So, So the law says a medical aid is a social solidarity principle. Mm. Me and you and and 10 other people get together, we pool our funds and we say, if something happens to me, then we use the collected money to pay my medical bill this month. Mm. And if something happens to you next month, then you pay, uh, then we all pay your bill. But now some people want to wait till they 45, 50 and then only come into the pool later. Mm. But that's substantially unfair to the people that's been paying into the pool when they were young and healthy. Because you use, you, you require the young and healthy to pay into the medical scheme to subsidize the people that are yeah. older. And that's how we keep the costs down. But what's happening today is, is a lot of what we call anti-selection. People choose not to belong to a medical aid. They might go for one of these um, insurance plans where uh, when you're hospitalized, they pay out 3,000 or 5,000 rand or whatever the case may be. Now, those products are, are with all due respect, 
um, they do not substitute the medical aid at all because there's no prescribed minimum benefits. It is an insurance product, so it's not fall, doesn't fall under the regulations of the Medical Scheme Act. So it's a completely different thing. Okay. All right. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm chatting to Principal Officer for Self-Med, Christo Becker, about PMBs or uh, prescribed minimum benefits, uh, which uh, if you are uh, a member of a medical aid scheme, you may be aware of, but not necessarily the details. Uh, And if you've got a question for Christo, then uh, take the opportunity, give us a call, uh, whether it's to do with your medical aid or specifically uh, PMBs. You can get in touch on 021-446-0567. Drop me an SMS to 31567 or a WhatsApp uh, to 072-567-1567. Um, Alistair in Durbanville is asking, may a, a medical scheme request pre-authorization or second opinions in respect of certain benefits? Yes, they may. Um, you know, when it comes to um, before the patient go or before the member, I should say, go into hospital, mm. um, the medical aid requires a pre-authorization to understand and know that the member's going in and what the member's going for. Conversely, it also protects the member because that gives them the opportunity to find out, is this a prescribed minimum benefit or not? And what is the benefit limits that might apply in some instances, let's say you go in for a hip replacement, if I can use that as an example, you need a prosthesis or a hip that's going to be implanted. Now, it depends on what your benefit limit is. If your benefit limit is 40,000 and your um, prosthesis that the doctor wants to use is 60,000 rand, you're going to be out of pocket 20,000 rand. Mm. Now, if you know that up front, then you can say, well, let's hold on. Is there an option for me to either pay this off? Is there a different hip replacement that you could use? Um, or can I get a discount on this hip replacement, on, on, on this implant? So it also helps and, and, and it protects the member in certain instances to be able to say, what, what am I in for here? What is this going to cost? Because by the time you come out of the hospital, they contact that implant out again, mm. and they're going to come. They're going to ask for the for, for the funds to, to that that you must make available. Then, Krista, can we go through just some of the most commonly used terms by medical aid providers? Because often uh, there are a, a number of them, and we may not necessarily we see them on bits of paper and and whatnot, but we don't necessarily understand them. So, pre authorization, what we've just we've just gone through, um, and you've given an example of of how that would work. What about co payment? So in certain cases, the medical aid might say, um, if you're going for, a, let's use a gastroscopy, for instance, um, where the doctor puts a tube down your throat to look at, uh, at, at your throat and that it's all happy and healthy, they might say, if you have that procedure done in the hospital, we're going to charge you a co-payment of, let's say, 3,000 rand. But if the doctor does it in his rooms, which then is... Uh, 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 can I call it cheaper Mm. and it's a safe way to do it then the medical aid will say if it's done in the doctor's rooms we're not going to charge you a co-payment so it could be used to try and direct certain procedures to a, a option that is more financially beneficial Okay, yeah, got it. Okay, so that's, so that's, that's where co-payments come in. And, and remember, a medical aid is a not-for-profit institution. Oh, it doesn't so feel like it sometimes, Christo. No, no, <laughs> I understand. And, and that's why I was using the example earlier. Um, so, so 
and I don't want to equate people's health to cars, but I want to use it as an example to illustrate why medical aid is so expensive. If you've got a car that's worth 100,000 rand and you insure it for 100,000 rand, that is the maximum that the insurance company will ever pay out on your vehicle, 100,000 mm-hmm. rand. With a medical aid, it's an open checkbook. Like I said earlier, you will never in your life pay 3 million rand worth of contributions to a medical aid. But we had one or two patients last year in our scheme specifically that cost us in excess of 3 million rand. So that's why it is so expensive to belong to a medical aid because it's literally an open checkbook. Mm. Mm. And that makes it very difficult to to, to control those costs and, 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 and you have to retrospectively increase the benefit, uh, the contributions for that benefit option then. Mm. But you were asking, so some of the other terms is a DSP or a designated service provider. Yes, yeah. The scheme will sometimes go to a certain hospital group or a group of doctors and say, listen, we have got uh, 30,000 members on our medical scheme. We will direct them all to your hospital group or to your practice group. Um, and in return for that, we want a discount. So they use it as a volume discount bargaining chip, if I can call it. Mm-hmm. So then they set up a designated service provider group. And so if you go out, if you use a provider who is outside of that group, there is no onus on the medical aid scheme to pay or will they pay part of it? They'll, they'll generally pay part of it and they will, um, they will ask you to pay a co-payment unless unless it is a prescribed minimum benefit as in an emergency. Okay. So if you're in a car accident and the ambulance takes you to a hospital that is not on the service provider list, on the designated service provider list, then the medical aid still has to pay that account. Okay, you've just answered uh, Sally in Tableview's question who says, in an mm-hmm. emergency, will I be covered for PMBs if I don't go to a designated service provider? Yes, you will. Okay, there you go, Sally. Hope that's uh, helped you out. Uh, Magnus in the CBD says, what if the treatment listed by the medical aid company and covered by the PMB is not what is being recommended to me? Will my medical aid scheme still pay? Sorry, can you read that one yeah, again? Yeah, what if the treatment listed by the medical aid company and covered by the PMB is not what is being recommended to me? Uh, will my medical aid scheme still pay? So I suppose that's if somebody's saying, if the doctor's saying, well, you need this, but it's not actually... Um, Oh, if the treatment listed by the medical aid company and covered by the PMB is not what is being recommended to me. Do you know what that means, Chris? I'm afraid I don't. Um, I'm, I'm unsure. So let me, let, me answer, let me try and answer it this way. The prescribed, minimum, prescribed minimum benefit is activated by a diagnosis. So let's say I've got high blood pressure. Mm. That, is, that is a prescribed minimum benefit. So then the doctor says that he wants to treat me in a new way that has just come out. Mm, mm. And the medical aid says, well, listen, that is not standard of care. That is not something that's being widely practiced. And it's generally not being practiced in the state hospitals either. We're not going to cover that treatment option right now. We first want to do a benefit review. We want to see what it says um, uh, under evidence-based medicine. Um, so in such cases, it might happen. Okay.
Okay, there we go. Uh, Magnus, hope that's helped you out. Uh, Penny's messaging on the WhatsApp and says, Hi, Sarah Jane. Discovery has just changed their medical aid that some procedures must be done somewhere or uh, somewhere or other and not in hospital. Uh, does your guest know what that was all about, perhaps? Sorry to be so vague. Uh, I'm sure your guest will know what I'm talking <laughs> about, though. Thanks. Do you know what Penny's talking about, Christo? Yes, I do. Okay. So, um, as I said earlier, some medical aids might say for a gastroscopy, it needs to be done in the doctor's rooms. So what they're also doing is saying, instead of going to a hospital, um, there's certain procedures they, they would prefer you to have in a day hospital. And in the day hospital, it's cheaper and they can't keep you overnight because it's only a day hospital. Mm. So they try and drive the work towards a day hospital where it's relatively cheaper to do that procedure than in one of the big hospitals. Okay. There we go. Got it. Thanks very much for that, uh, Christo. Thanks, Penny, for your message. Uh, how can people make the most out of their medical aid schemes? I mean, the, I, have to, I have to put my hand up and say I have medical aid because I'm fortunate enough to be able to afford it. Do I fully understand what I'm paying for? No, I don't. Do I make the most out of my medical aid scheme? No, I probably don't. Are there, are there key things that we should know or that we should do in order to make the most uh, out of our medical aid schemes and also to avoid having to make extra payments here and there? Yes, 100%. I think as soon as you realise or you know that you're going to have to have a procedure going to hospital, call your medical aid and say, I need to go to the hospital for X, Y or Z. What is the benefits that are available to me? And make sure that you then know what they're going to pay for and what they're not going to pay for. It is going to be a little bit daunting at the beginning, but if you make notes while you're talking to them and go to the doctor and say to the doctor, this is what the medical aid says. My benefit limit for my prosthesis is 40,000 rand. Can we please make sure we come in, in line with that? Mm. So know when you're going to the hospital what you're going to be in for and contact your medical aid and ask them up front. The second thing I would say is, and a lot of people are very, very reticent to do this, is negotiate with your doctor. Hmm. A medical scheme has a medical scheme rate and generally the doctors charge higher than the medical scheme rate. So understand that before you go to the hospital or before you go for your procedure. What does the medical aid pay and what does the doctor what does the doctor ask? And is there a gap that you might need to cover? Okay. Is there a difference there? And mm. remember the anesthetist. Mm. Ah, so yes. you might be going to a surgeon. Let's say you're going to have a little, you've got a spot on your, on your back that, that's bothering you and you have to have that cut out. So you're going to the surgeon and you ask the surgeon, listen, what is it going to cost? What is your rate going to be? And you ask the medical aid, what's the rate going to be so you can prepare? But don't forget about the anesthetist either. Mm. Mm. The anesthetist is going to be in it as well. The, the third thing is, and as you said earlier, I know it doesn't feel that way because healthcare is so expensive, but your medical aid is a not-for-profit. So the funds that are saved by the medical aid remains within the medical aid. It goes towards the reserves of the medical aid. And those reserves in many cases are used to offset high cost cases. And there might be a year or two where the medical aid goes, pays out more than the contributions that it earns from, from, from the members. Then they use the reserves to offset those costs, which means that in the long term, it can lower the benefit increases that it has to put through every year. So, so a lot of people don't protect the medical scheme. They'll say, oh, the scheme can pay for that. 
But that is the wrong way to look at it because actually you're just going to pay for it next year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Through your sure. contribution increases. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. So, so it's important to actually, to a certain extent, protect your scheme and say to the doctor, "Listen, what do you charge? And can I ask you for a discount?" Yes, you're not going to feel it in your pocket now, but next year you'll feel it in your pocket because the increases won't be as high. Yeah, yeah, okay, good you see advice. What I'm yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I just want to go yeah. to a few more questions that have come in uh, on the no uh, on the SMS line. Uh, good evening. If a DSP is, let's say, a hundred kilometres away from your home, uh, would you still be liable for a co-payment if I use a non-DSP for a PM? MB, says Yusuf. No, you won't. Because the, the, there has to be, obviously there has to be a sense of, of reality around this. You can't go and, I can't put all the DSPs for my medical aid in Joburg and then say to people in Cape Town, sorry, everybody's going to have a 40% co-payment. Mm-hmm. So where a DSP is generally, I think it's around about 50 kilometers or more away from where you live, then they will have to honor the, the hospital you go to. But once again, I urge the, the listeners to rather contact the medical aid and discuss it with them up front. Okay. All right. Um, good day, SJK. Uh, please ask your guest to explain 100% scheme rates in the event that a lady goes to consult a gynecologist, says Tony in Stonehill. No problem. I alluded to that earlier. A medical scheme has a rate that they will pay the Doctors Act, and that is the scheme rate. So, they will say that we will reimburse the doctor 100% of scheme rate. Okay, so so let's say scheme rate is 10 rand, for instance, but the doctor charges 15 rand, so he's charging uh, 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 50% plus or 150%. Mm. So that's where the difference comes in. So what generally happens if your consult, if, if, if the... Uh, let me use another example. If the medical aide is willing to pay a GP 350 rand for a consultation and the GP asks 450 rand, the 350 is 100% of scheme rate and the 450 is then what the doctor charges. Mm. And you're going to be liable for that, for that 100 rand in between. And where does gap cover come into this? Would that cover that or is that only for, for in-hospital uh, treatment? Gap cover only covers in-hospital treatment, unfortunately, not when you're going to see doctors um, for outside of, 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 of hospital. So in hospital, it's great because gap cover will cover co-payments. It'll cover the difference between the scheme rate and the specialist rate. So how common is it that people, and do people know this, Krishna? I mean, how common is it that people will have a medical aid scheme and then gap cover? Which which almost seems a bit ridiculous, but but it is how it is. Yeah, no, it happens quite often. No, it happens quite often because the doctor or the specialist has has no obligation to charge the scheme rate. Mm. They can charge for all intents and purposes what they what they want. Got it. And the prescribed minimum benefits that the law is written in such a way that it says that the medical aid must pay that account in full without any co-payments. So where is a prescribed minimum benefit? There may be no co-payment. Ah, and unfortunately, okay. the medical aids then try and protect themselves or make it, I don't want to say make it up because it sounds as if there's a profit in it, mm. but they try and protect the scheme by then kind of lowering the, the, the scheme rate. Yeah. Because the doctor can charge 
700, rand. And they have to and pay then we've got as, We've got no control over that when it's a prescribed minimum benefit. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody else is asking, please would you ask your guest hospital plan or medical aid with savings? Which is better? Well, I should just say that uh, Christo is from uh, SelfMed, which is a medical aid scheme. So I'm guessing that I know what your answer is here, Christo. So uh, uh, a hospital plan only or a more comprehensive medical aid plan with day-to-day or with a savings plan, you've got to look at your life stage. Like I said earlier, the way we look at it at SelfMed is to say young, healthy, just finished uh, varsity or school and you started out working, you can go for basically a prescribed minimum benefit plan that covers you for the worst of the worst. But as you grow older, as you build on your family, you, you need to expand that and you need to go and understand what your health care needs and your family's health care needs are going to be. And then you need to adjust your plan accordingly. So a lot of the, I know a lot of people are on, on, on a hospital plan and they've got a gap cover with that and then they do what we call self-insurance. So they'll be on a hospital plan and they'll use some of the money that they, if I can put it in brackets, save from having a hospital, uh, mm-hmm. a full comprehensive mm-hmm. plan. They'll save that in an account. So if they need to go to the GP, they've got a few rand going uh, uh, hidden there yeah. and, and saved away and tucked away. But now you might end up needing to go for a CT scan or MRI, and uh, MRI or CT is going to set you back anything between six and 8,000 rand sure. for one scan. You know, So if you've saved 1,000 rand for a year, then you've got 12,000 rand. 8,000 rand of that suddenly gone because you needed one MRI or one CT. Mm. Which would have been covered. Or part, it, or, it would have been covered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Covered. Uh, Lebo is asking, uh, hi SJ, uh, please ask your guest if gap cover will cover an anaesthetist. It will cover the difference between what the scheme pays and what the anaesthetist is charging. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, but, but again, you need to understand the rules and the regulations around your specific gap cover. Hey? So I'm, I'm, I'm making a very broad statement, um, but in general, yes, it does cover it. Um, Krista, if, if one's medical aid is covered by their company or covered in part by their company and therefore every, the payment and whatnot goes through the company, is it easy enough just to add gap cover? Is that something that you just do independently and it all sort of works itself out because the gap cover, speaks to the to the medical aid is how does that work yes well what you generally would do is that you'd find a, a gap cover provider and there's quite a few of them out in the market um, you would contact them and you would say you would like a gap cover and um, you can you can then see how the benefits stack up against what your medical aid pays mm. out but but it's you know I've got gap cover myself <laughs> ah. and um, I think it's I think it's a worthwhile investment to make do yes. you Mm, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Listen, we've run out of time, but thanks everyone uh, for your messages and for your questions. Uh, obviously, we sparked quite the debate here. And uh, it just goes to show, I think, Christo, that, that there is a great deal that those of us who have medical aid, even those of us who don't, still don't really understand what it is that we're paying for and what we're entitled to. Yeah, I think it's a bit complex, unfortunately, because it's so regulated. There's so many laws and and regulations that govern the medical aid that 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 it becomes quite complex mm, mm, for sure uh, it is penny's messaging in saying it's an absolute minefield i think you're absolutely right penny it does it does feel that way but hopefully we've been able to uh, clarify certainly around uh, pmbs uh, for you this evening Krista, it really has been a, a pleasure and very very informative to have you on the show and uh, hopefully you'll come back and join us again one day 
Anytime, Sarah. And just let me know when you need me. Wonderful <laughs> stuff. Thanks very much indeed. That's uh, Christo Becker, uh, who is the Principal Officer for SelfMed.